Hi, welcome to Space Bras, the science fiction movie podcast for bad bitch sci-fi nerds. I'm Kate, and with me is the pilot of the Millennium Falcon in my heart, Mary Johnston. Aww. What up, girl? Aww. Not mm-hmm. much. That's such a high compliment. I'm it so really excited. Is. Yeah. Um, I'm also really excited because today we have a guest. Huzzah. This guest is my brother, Thomas Johnston, who's joining us. How are you, Thomas? I'm super stoked to be here. Woo! Welcome to the pod. Thank you so much. For sure. Thanks for being on our pod. Now, Thomas, um, today we're going to be talking about uh, the movie, the 2014 movie Ex Machina. And you specifically requested to guest when we we said we wanted to do this movie. Uh, Why is that? What do you love about this? Sure, absolutely. So when I knew that you and when I heard that you and Kate were doing this show and I thought that maybe I would have a chance to uh, not even guest, but just uh, kind of suggestions this this movie be, be the ghost in the mind. machine that's right yeah <laughs> this is uh i i think it's a it's a beautiful real compact kind of story and i think it has sure. a real gut punch of an ending that 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 i think makes you kind of reevaluate it which is maybe kind of cliched when it comes to sci-fi but it's very effective here um i think that this movie tries to do what black mirror generally tries but does not succeed at doing um in terms of kind of making you think and giving you a you know five minutes in the future sort of narrative and while this movie is not subtle i think the narrative and the allegory are kind of straightforward i think it works on a bunch of different levels and i think that the ambiguity and interplay between these levels and like you know what they're saying and they're saying a lot of things um can lead to a very satisfying discussable film and uh, I'm just really excited to dig into this. I'm yeah, really, absolutely. I'm really excited, too. And I like that it's, um, you know, of course, science fiction is sort of can be sort of like a flavor capsule around another another genre of film. You know, you can kind of dress up. They can be romantic. They can be horror movies. They can be all kinds of different things, but just set in the future and with future stuff, which is which is fun. Um and I really like that this is a psycholo- I think this is like a psychological like thriller of a movie. Agreed. Like mm-hmm. it, it, yeah. it, it, like it's, it's kind of simmers, and there's a lot, there's a lot of intrigue in it. It's sort of, um, it's Bergman esque almost, which I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really glad that we're doing this too. So last week we talked about uh, Alex Garland's uh, more recent film, Annihilation, and we decided we were just going to follow it up with uh, Ex Machina, which I enjoyed so much more. What did you guys think? Yeah, I definitely enjoyed it more. Don't get me wrong. There were some good parts of uh, Annihilation, but this... Hashtag like not all of strong. Annihilation. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but this did seem like a stronger film, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. After seeing X Back and I was like, I will see everything this man makes. And Annihilation is like, okay, maybe pump your brakes a little bit. But... Uh... <laughs> Whatever, Gina Rodriguez just saying, no, like, no. you're a liar is still my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> no, or, no, like, I sure. don't know how much more right she has to be. I love that. <laughs> no, <right>? Exactly. <laughs> so, Kate, so Thomas and I had seen Ex Machina before this, but this, you watched it for the pod. This is your first time. So, indeed. When we, so as we, as is our, our, our wanton way, uh, usually we have sort of like a, fir- a blind first impression. Like, what did you think this movie was going to be about based on the things you had seen about it? Okay, so I thought that this movie was like a follow-up to like Blade Runner and Metropolis. Like, kind of an action movie, maybe a little bit bloodier and edgier. But, you know, Harrison Ford gets the girl bot and they escape to a better life. Which mm. is not this movie, <laughs> so... Not really this... Um, nope. <laughs> to its benefit. To its benefit. 
kind of fit. This is not that movie. Right, but, right. Um, I mean, yeah. you're not going to have, I mean, uh, Donald Gleason is no Harrison Ford. So no Harrison Ford, indeed. I don't think he deserves to escape with the girl. Um, Oscar, Oscar Isaac Snathan, though, shows the same disregard for consent and um, <laughs> acknowledging the personhood of artificial life, however. Uh, Oscar, I'm, Oscar, I'm Isaacs, so Oscar Isaacs also shows the same disregard for uh, my panties staying on my body that Harrison Ford does. <laughs> so, but not really in this role. He's no, kind of like a little yeah, troll. I usually... <laughs> feel like he's got a Harrison Ford like kind of sexiness to him like that's why they call yeah. him fly boy you yeah know? he's hot but, he's hot for sure but uh yeah not in this movie oh my not god not in this movie Nathan Ugh. they really yeah. they really trolled him up in that tracksuit. yeah oh my god <laughs> um what a jag what anyway. a jag so um so I'll, I'll give you a quick if you haven't seen this movie dear listeners um to give you a quick plot overview um here we go so um, we open with a programmer, Caleb, who works for like a Google-esque search engine company called Blue Book, winning an office contest for a week-long visit to a pala- the palatial and isolated home of the CEO, uh, Nathan. And upon arrival at Nathan's home, um, he's told that he'll be conducting a Turing test, which is an actual test in the world um, developed by Alan Turing, which is designed to determine if a machine can uh, exhibit intelligent behavior that is indistinguishable from that of a human and trick humans into thinking it's a human. And Nathan wants him to run this test on this humanoid AI that he's been working on called Ava. So Caleb starts having daily sessions with Ava, and he learns that she's been confined to this room in Nathan's basement, basically, for her whole life, um, and understandably wishes to escape and experience the outside world. At the same time, uh, things in Nathan's house begin to devolve. Um, Caleb is growing increasingly disgusted with his host's excessive drinking and uh, mistreatment of the housekeeper, uh, Kyoko. And most of all, his cavalier attitude about just reforming Ava after this, um, she completes this test and kind of starting on Ava point two. So Caleb begins to have romantic feelings for Ava, and he plots to reprogram Nathan's security system so he can escape with her. And so that's pretty much the first, like, hmm, half, two-thirds of the movie. And we're going to get into the fallout from all of that and dig into those topics a little bit deeper as we get into it. So to kick us off, um, I think that this movie almost primarily... And like a kind of like from the like, you know, view from a thousand feet deals with power dynamics. So I thought we kind of would be a good place to start would be to start digging into what are the power dynamics presented among this incredibly limited number of people in this movie and uh, in Nathan's home. Yeah, no, I think that's a, an excellent place to start. Um I don't know if I should be the one to kick us off, but I started talking, so here we are. <laughs> so you're um, on the spot. I'm on the spot. Well, I just I wanted to say that uh, Nathan uh, has a god complex and kind of is the god in his own little kingdom. But like, there's this quote where like Nathan's talking about <clears throat> uh, if the test is, if the Turing test is passed, then you're dead center in the greatest scientific event in the history of man. And Caleb says, if you've created a conscious machine. 
it's not the history of man. That's the history of gods. And like later on, like Nathan retells this quote by saying, you told me I was God. And he's like, that's, that's not really what I said. <laughs> but, but that is that is how Caleb, that is. Yeah, that's how Nathan sees himself. Uh, and so I think in Nathan's world, Nathan's a God. Caleb's a man. Ava's an experiment. And Kyoko is a submissive, spoiler alert, sex bot. And shit rolls downhill in this house. So... <laughs> Yeah, there are definitely um, kind of uh, de- certain. Certainly, uh, Nathan is the daddy. This is his. This is his home. He is yeah. the lord and master. The I, I think the movie could almost be understood as sort of a. You could like gothically recast this as a man is invited to a mad scientist's castle where he introduces yeah. him to the sexy experiment slash monster question mark and, <laughs> and and also interacts with the abused spouse of the uh, of the uh, of, of the mad scientist. Um, to provide some background, um, just to say this, the, in this movie, there really are like four characters. Um, yep. There are there are some ancillary people, but not 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 in the house. And uh, Kyoko is is as you may guess from her her name, an Asian woman um, or a presenting as an Asian woman, and we find out that she is she is an android, also. Um, but she at first we're told that she can't speak English, but but you basically figure out that she's been. Lobotomized in some way, she is. She is maybe a failed experiment or one that was not quite what Nathan wanted, and so now he I uses her she's, as service. I think she's everything that Nathan wanted. The thing is, like, he wants to create consciousness, but I think in his own life, he doesn't actually want like someone real or a woman. He wants someone who's pretty much lobotomized, someone who like will lay naked on a bed for him and like will. Uh, will be his housekeeper and get screamed at and you know i think that that is what he wants and that's why he like locks up ava and all of his experiments because he likes that control and he can't handle reality well i think i yeah i agree with that um and i think that we should get into her uh kyoko as a character in a lot more depth but i think it's important at this point to say i completely agree with you guys i don't even think she's on the powerful the power structure in this movie in a meaningful way because she's so undervalued as a being in this household so like she's not even on the scale (laughs) she's yeah she's treated like a prop that's why i said that she's just a a submissive sex spot because yeah yeah, she's a prop yeah but in actuality i think you know i I think she's more complicated in the storytelling which which we can get to in a second absolutely she's well and she's a power moment yeah right yeah so But, yeah, I agree. I feel like this movie could have, like, the working t- title if Frankenstein was bonable because that's <laughs> kind of what it is. Yeah, no, for like, sure. And, Absolutely. And Nathan is, like, the ultimate alpha man. He's bringing in his little beta man who he yeah. is, yeah. like, well, and, non-threatening. And the way these guys are presented, Nathan, you see, um, it, it, initially, Caleb gets dropped off at the facility and it's this, it, 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 we'll talk about it later, but it's this beautiful kind of futuristic house that's mm-hmm. that's set in beautiful nature. It's apparently some gorgeous property in Norway where that they lucked out to film at. And um, the first thing we see, he kind of goes into the house and, and he's let through automated security and stuff and there's nobody there. And then he sees kind of like on the back porch, I guess, uh, Nathan is out there punching a punching bag and he's bearded and he's stocky and he's, you know, he's, he's he is like masculinity- you know, accessorized and, and he, <laughs> yeah, and he's no. a heavy drinker and he cusses and he's kind of funny. And, and he's when, crude and yeah, right, he's, yeah. And, yeah. And when he's they, a man's man. Yeah, exactly. And Caleb is the more nebbish programmer. And when they interact, even from the very beginning, 
Um, Nathan kind of does the whole, oh man, you must be totally freaking out to meet me and see how awesome I am. He kind of yeah. does the M. Bison from Street Fighter, the, you know, when I came to your village, it was the most momentous occasion of your life. For me, it was Tuesday. Yeah, and he, and right. He, he, he does this a couple times uh, later on. Yeah. He says something like, I think he says something like towards the end of the, the week that they spend together. He's like, well, that was a week one to tell your grandkids about. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I like that immediately. So the first interaction they have, Nathan is like, I'd make you breakfast, but I can't because I'm really hungover, which I was like, well, I've never heard of hash browns. That's like what they're invented for. But whatever. Yeah, right. Who like, who's well, like, I'm going to drink green juice because I'm hungover. I'm like, please load up some potatoes on a plate for me, sir. Pot- Thank potatoes you. Potatoes and a pork potatoes. sausage, please. <laughs> yes. uh, but but that, that, that's because we're not coasting the elite programmers who know that you got to biohack your system with antioxidants <laughs> when you have a heavy night and maybe do some wheatgrass and some brown rice and some mineral water. What no, I like, I do, uh, maybe he could mix up his, uh, maybe he could stir his Soylent with a pork sausage is all I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, add a little flair to that soylent. Mm. No, I love uh, I love Caleb being like, oh, you had a party last night? What was the party like? And like, <laughs> Nathan's like, what are you talking about, bro? Because yep. like, yeah, yep. I yep. get it. But also, Caleb, are you telling me you've never put away a few? Come on. Well, and I like that too, because I feel like, like I was wa- when I was watching it, I was like, oh, these men will never communicate. And, oh, yeah, right. Yeah. And yeah. it's always about Caleb assuming something about Nathan and then Nathan moving the goalpost on him. And mm-hmm. in yeah. a way that is is something that Caleb cannot respond to. His whole thing is like, there was no party. I'm a high functioning alcoholic, bro. And like Caleb's got to yeah. be like, oh, OK, OK. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> oh, wow. Sure. <laughs> like, it's just yeah, Nathan. It's really funny because Nathan is toxic masculinity. But I think Caleb is like. Nice guy, the toxic nice guy. Yeah, yep. the other side of toxicity. You know. By the way, we think it's okay to be men, uh, right, Thomas? You're <laughs> oh, a man. Yeah, yeah. You're not Is either of those things. Is it okay to be la- la- a man? Last time I checked, and I'm, I think the jury's still out on that. I don't but, think you're a toxically masculine or a nice guy. <laughs> in the nice guy air quotes way. <laughs> mean, mean man, yeah. You know what no, she's saying, Thomas? A, a pleasant human that I enjoy spending time with. I think what she's saying is that you're a beta, but you're a real horse's ass. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Unpleasant beta. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, anything else we want to touch on with uh, with Nathan and Caleb? Um, I, I do think, and I realize we're going to generalize this to Ava a little bit, but the whole time they're talking, um, if we haven't made this clear, I feel like Nathan is always condescending to Caleb. He's, we talked kind of moving the goalposts, but he even just kind of talks to him like he's kind of a dummy. Uh, yep. And, you know, oh, gee whiz, good for you, Tiger, kind of, kind of, kind of tone to everything, even when he's being positive. Um, but within the house, then whenever uh, Caleb talks to Ava, who, uh, like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll get to this, but because of, I guess, in some sense, maybe, maybe he's an ass. Maybe it's just the nature of doing a Turing test. He kind of talks to Ava like she's a kid. And so yeah. you you have sort of like Nathan talks to Caleb like he's a child. Caleb talks to Ava like she's a child. And it's sort of this, this nesting and no condescension. no one talks to Kyoko at all. And Kyoko, <laughs> right, right. And in fact, multiple times it's brought up that it's a waste of time to try to talk to Kyoko. Yeah. No, um, I think okay. I would like to say that Nathan, like, he has power. He's always playing games. He's constantly, like, uh, intentionally manipulating, definitively lying. Like, uh, and and every time, like, Caleb is like, 
oh, I think I figured something out. Nathan's like, no, I chose you because you're the smartest man in the world. How does that feel? And then later <laughs> on, I was like, I chose you because, like, your search history showed that you're a lonely dude. And I mapped Ava to look like your porn habits. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, fucking creepy. I also like how the set interacts with these two's relationship. Like, Nathan yeah. is always comfortable and it's and it's his little world, right? So that makes sense. Yeah. Like it's a world yeah. that he has created, and Caleb never looks comfortable. Like mm-hmm. if yeah. Nathan and and Nathan is comfortable in places one shouldn't be comfortable. Like the only piece of upholstered fabric in this in this house is a punching bag. Basically, it's like yeah, like beds and punching bags. Everything else is like wicker, weird furniture or like benches that are concrete that are like sticking out of the wall. And Nathan will like lounge on those and like and and then talk to talk to Caleb. And Caleb has to like stand up or sit in a chair. Or the best is when he tells Caleb that he's like the smartest boy in the world and that's why he's been brought here. And yeah. and Nathan is literally lounging on top of a waterfall. And Caleb right. is. Like panting and red faced after like struggling his way up this mountain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that, no, Nathan's, right. In fact, his words when talking about this waterfall that we have learned that he owns because it's part of his like palatial estate is not bad, huh? <laughs> not bad. <laughs> what a jack. Anyway, so we what a megalomaniac, violent, drunk creep. But you know, I think that jag sums it up perfectly. Yeah. So we touched a little bit on uh, Caleb talking to Ava. Let's get into it. Yeah, yeah. So I thought it was striking that the first time that Caleb sees Ava, it's like she's a zoo animal. She's like moving around in her habitat, which is this like another beautifully appointed room, but it's basically this glass prison that she lives with in in the basement. Um, yeah. And she like walks by a doorway and Caleb sees her and she you know, she knows that he's there. But he, but she doesn't really acknowledge it. She doesn't look at him. She doesn't say anything to him. She just continues to walk by. So we have her automatically, from his perspective, viewed as this like exciting specimen to look at, not really a person or someone with agency. Yeah, totally. She she kind of does the little subtle antelope head tilt as she like like the <gasps> predators about. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. She notices him, but it's not it's not the way like a human being would notice someone. It's animalistic. Mm-hmm. And the and, and these these rooms, um, I, I can't I, I cannot stress to someone who's not seen this movie how much like Westworld, which followed after this film, uh, these yeah. sets look like. It's the it's the we it's the Hot take. Concrete... Westworld's ripping off X Machina. <laughs> no, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Just firing them out. No, but concrete, concrete floors, glass walls. Um, this room that Ava lives in um, is 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 a is a big enclosed box with minimal, if any, furniture. And in fact, in the middle of it is a are, are, is a tree and some plants that are also boxed in. So she she has no access to the tree, but she can look at them. There's, there's maybe I think I guess a table in there as well. And then when yeah, Taylor, she has like a little desk. It's like a hotel room. She has like a desk yeah. and a bed. Yeah. And, and when Caleb kind of goes in to see her, he stands inside a little glass box that's inside the room that's a glass box built around a glass box. But he's standing yeah. in like a shark tank. And the first yeah. time he goes in, he, he he looks over and there's 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 a there's a there's a crack in the glass like like that would be made from from like a blow or a gunshot or something. And yeah. it, and it, it's from Ava's side. So you are so you're already let made to know that there is danger here and yeah. uh you know so so 
Caleb will ask her questions and Ava will pace around. And sometimes Caleb has a chair and Ava doesn't and she has to sit on the floor <laughs> to again kind of kind of hammer home this sort of power dynamic. You know, Caleb can leave, Ava cannot. Yeah, it's almost like a warden or something visiting a, an inmate. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what the exchange is. Like, no matter what, it can't have, like, an, a real emotional bond because the power dynamic, like, prevents that. Like, and that's and that's the weird thing is that, like, uh, when Caleb tries to talk about Ava to Nathan and talking about how, like, oh, her programming and, like, how she's, like, coming together with words and, and all of this... And Nathan was like, no, no, no. But, like, what do you think of her? And he's like, oh, she's fucking awesome. It's like, hmm. you're you're still, you're treating this person still like a specimen. Like, it's, the person I know is not the correct term. Being. AI, but like, I'm calling her a this, being. Yeah, Entity. you're treating this being like a specimen. And then talking about her about, like, how she's basically fuckable. Like, you know? That's immediately what they talk about. They immediately yep. talk about her sexuality. And Caleb's, like, mad that she has it. Um, yeah, like, why did you give her a sexuality, is what he says. So, although, I mean, what's really weird is that he's kind of right about that. Um, I, mean, yeah. I mean, but but also, I, 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 and, I and I'm I'm not trying to be a, a correction or make, make trouble, but they don't immediately jump to sex. And I think it's interesting because I think that the interactions that Caleb has with Ava, the, the show is bookended with chapters that are kind of like day one, day two, day three. Um, oh, yeah, I think yeah. I think sort of actually progress along the way that one would maybe like at first he talks to her like like she's a small child. They talk about like colors and drawing pictures and things like that. Um, then it kind of moves on to like, you know, books and, and you know, are you friends? Are, are you friends with Nathan? You know, how do you feel about Papa? You know, that sort of thing. And then and <laughs> yeah. then. Then it then it gets a little bit darker, like, you know, are you watching me on the cameras? You know, what do you she doesn't say it like this, but kind of, you know, how She's do you like, I like to I like to imagine that you're looking right, at the right, cameras. Right. Kind night. of a, you know, have you noticed my body? And and, and yeah. it, it, it strikes me as being very much like the sort of like a Victorian era, you know, papa's having his terribly clever friend over to see how I'm doing with my studies. And of course, like everything, it all winds up with 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 Papa's friend, like wanting to you know have his way with the daughter, and um, so so. I, but I think there's sort of progression. You know, initially it's just kind of a it, it, it's a it's an awkward interaction and the interaction with the child, and then it sort of moves up to the point where um, you know she says things like "I would like to go on a date with you," and then 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 they start plotting the escape. Yeah, no, for sure. I do think, though, that that first exchange between Nathan and Caleb where, like, Nathan, like, keeps on pushing, but, like, what do you think of her? Yeah, she's incredible. Yeah, yeah, she's fucking incredible is the quote. And, like, I think that that's Nathan trying to, like, push Caleb's uh, perception away from, like, the technology of it and into the, like, fuckability, honestly. Like, I'm not saying that you're right. They don't talk immediately about that, but I think that that is the definitive subtext yeah no well, nathan Nate, and nathan for a variety of reasons which we may just have to blow open here in a second nathan wants caleb to like like want to fuck that robot like yep. that's yep. That, that's that's actually his agenda yep right so you know kind of the the central tension i would say of this movie on a very like on a cursory glance right is that you've got this girl in a glass box and this boy comes and visits her and the boy likes her and wants to help her. But does she really like the boy or does she just want to use him to get out of the glass box? Like that's like the central tension. And that's the central tension that 
um, Nathan tells him exists also, additionally. So yeah. it's, it's I think, you can assume that it's it's programmed into her in, in one way or the other. But, and I agree, like, I kind of thought that their relationship shifts to romance when she um, puts on, uh, like, the, the women clothes. The yeah. yeah. But on, like, on rewatch, I kind of think it actually happens when she asks him to be her friend. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the way that Caleb decides that he is going to be friends. So Caleb is in this environment where he is not, he is on, like, pins and needles, right? Like, he's not like Nathan. Nathan is constantly shifting the goalposts on him. He cannot speak to Nathan you know, candidly about anything just by nature of their power dynamic. And the way he decides that he is going to become friends with Ava is to immediately unload his traumatic childhood on her. Like, and talking about like his, yeah, the death in his, yeah. So he talks about being in a horrible car accident when he's like definitely old enough to remember it. He's like a a young teenager where both of his parents died and he was badly hurt. And that's like, one of the first things he tells her about himself. He tells her that he has an apartment that he likes okay and that he was orphaned at a young age in this terrible way. And I personally have experienced this with men all the time when you... And it's it's usually a certain kind of guy. It's usually kind of an older white dude. And I'm, as a younger white woman, I will, like, extend, like like the smallest amount of like interest in them as a human being or just like polite friendship, you know? Yeah. And suddenly they're unloading all their vulnerabilities on me like I'm a golden retriever. It's like yep. he's it's like he decides he's going to become friends with her by allowing himself to be vulnerable, but it doesn't really matter cuz she doesn't have any power cuz he would never do that with Nathan to bond with him ever. Ever. Yeah, no. In for this. Sure. And I think that that is the moment when it becomes sexual. When he allows himself to become a little bit vulnerable with her her that's when he decides their relationship shifts away from being like student and pupil to sexy pupil and sexy teacher (laughs) and i think that's very telling of the people that they both are in their relationship ultimately this is not friendship what he forms with her is not friendship at any point yeah yeah or a relationship between equals at any point even on the very service level so that first drawing she did, does, it's like that abstract work. Um, and I think she's drawing her own gel brain. When you look at later when they when Nathan shows Caleb her brain. Yeah, and the it, quote wetware, the, as he calls it. The yeah. wetware. And it like Ugh. zooms down into it. It looks like her drawing where it's just kind of a bunch of connections and sort of this like cloudy liquid stuff. And like she does that. So the first thing she shows Caleb in her drawing is of her own mind. And mm-hmm. Caleb assumes it is nothing because it's something that he doesn't recognize immediately. Yeah. Um, and I think that we have sort of this constant, we have sort of an undertone. There's a lot of stuff going on in this movie and a lot of references, which are really cool. But one of my favorites is I think that we see Plato's cave a lot in this movie where... Yeah. yeah. Where you have, like, the people who are chained to the wall and all they can see are the shadows on the wall being produced by people behind them. And they think that those shadows are people, but then one person gets unchained and they turn around and they realize it's not. And then they go outside and that's when they become fully enlightened, right? Yeah. And I see that here, too, because we realize that, like, so Ava's frame of reference is narrow just by the fact that she, like, lives in a little box. 
But yeah. Caleb's frame of reference and what he thinks is... And so basically he sees this picture. He says, I don't know what that is. Draw something that will be interesting to me. <laughs> basically, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, for Draw sure. something that I will recognize and that is interesting to me. And I think it's a subtle way of showing that he's like worse than the people trapped in Plato's cave because he is genu- genuinely not actually curious about what this person, what this being in front of him thinks about anything, actually. Right, he just yeah. wants to see the stuff that he thinks are interesting reflected in this being and then pat himself on the back for being an interesting person. One of the first things she says to him, uh, he asks uh, something about, or um, I think he asks her if she's ever been anywhere but in the room. And she says, I've always been in this room. And he says something about for how long. And she says, I am one. And he says, days, months, weeks. And she says, I am one. And he's not hearing her because I think what she's saying there is, I am an individual. I am an entity. I am sentient. And, 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 and he blows it. He blows it right there. And he blows it for the rest of the movie. So another thing. So this is another thing like like the gel brain. I didn't really like dig into this and what it really meant and, or um, parse what the words mean. But what's at stake here is... Uh, Caleb comes in. He's supposed to give the Turing test to Ava. She That test is supposed to tell Nathan if he's like kind of building in the right direction. And then regardless of the results, truly, he is going to reformat Ava and he's going to come out with the next version of Ava. That's like his plan. That's what he tells Caleb. And so, yeah, and he tries to frame it like, oh, I mean, it will still be Ava, but like, I'm just going to like reformat her memory. So like, she won't have memory. So it will be like a fresh start, but it's going to be Ava and it's going to be her body. Well, okay. Yes. No, I agree with that. But then I kind of thought about it. And I think the thing that bothers Caleb the most about that and what Caleb considers a way for Ava to quote unquote die is that she won't remember who he is. Yeah. Because I think that's a that's a really interesting read. Because Nathan is right. She will be. She is she is a programmed being, right? Like she is programmed to have certain personality traits and interact in the world in the same way. It's not like it's not like a person is a person and if I raise you the exact same way, like, you know, we have we at least believe that like human beings are some mixture of like nature and nurture and that pr- creates mm. your own special like secret sauce of uniqueness, right? But Ava doesn't really have that. We don't even really know if these, I believe they do, but we don't really know if these robots can even, like, have trauma, truly, right? We know later yeah. that they do. Well, I, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I definitely, yeah. I, but I do think, though, that uh, it's important to note that Nathan's lying. Like, uh, when we see, when we see later on these multiple other bots, like I'm not sure that he's using the exact same program and not like altering it. Like if it's not the same body, if it's not necessarily the same program, if it doesn't have the memories, then like what about that is the same entity? I agree with like, that. What, I agree with what that. What is the nature of, I, I, I agree with what you're saying about Caleb and how like for him, it really is about how like, well, if she won't remember our interactions, then like, so then she's not really killing her. Then you're killing yeah. her because I want to, I am like, I am what she sees in me ultimately. I agree. But as an audience member, I think that everyone's a monster except for Ava. I would agree with that. Like, because I believe that Ava is a real being. Like, I I believe that even though she is not exited the room, she is Pinocchio. She is a real girl. Like, I believe that. 
as yeah. like based on what I've seen and also just kind of like empathizing with her as a character. But I don't think Caleb believes that. I think that he thinks that she needs to leave the room to become a real person and be a a, an, a being that he could be truly in love with. Like he really needs yeah. that so that they can continue their relationship, right? So Yeah, absolutely. But and, and, and Nathan himself though, um, in the gross discussion of sexuality that we alluded to talks about human beings being sort of programmed programmed to be straight programmed to have certain sexual preferences um whether profound or or trivial so from his perspective i think that he thinks that all human beings are programmed and probably and perhaps then that you you know may may sort of echo what 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 you said mary Um, the trick is that later when caleb brings up the thought of basically switching her off uh, Ava gets real upset, and 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 not only does she say that she doesn't want to be turned off, but why does someone else get to decide? Why do they get? Who gets to pick? Yep. She is good enough. Um, I also think we keep talking about the Turing test, and um, just maybe for the benefit of listeners, um, the Turing test is not like a test, like the Void Comp test in Blade Runner. It's more of like the idea of a test. There, are, it's not like there are ten questions or whatever that you ask. It's just sort of like hang out with an android. See if she tricks you into thinking she's a person. If it does, it works. If she doesn't, she fails. It's not, you know, it's not, it's not, it's yeah. not a, it's not it's like not a cut and dried. It's, yeah. It's, it's not like it, the SAT. It's, it's, yeah. Right. It's, you know, I guess it, it, it is, it, it does have an absolute value at the end of it, but it's not like. Um, it's subjective. Yeah, like, Caleb, yeah. Caleb's, Caleb's mission here is hang out with Ava and then tell us if you think she's conscious. Right. Yeah. A more foolish person would have many things t- pass a Turing test. And like there are people who interact with bots all the time on the like on the interwebs, like helps right, help, right. No, no, help no, bots like, and don't yeah. Twitter don't bots know. might pass Turing tests. Yeah, yeah. the people yeah. the people the people who are friending bots on Facebook, those those people are passing them on the Turing test. But right. Right. <laughs> like But they really yeah, so like they really shouldn't. They should like dig yeah. in there and think about yeah. it more. It's obviously they, they shouldn't. Those bots are not they're advanced not, they're AI. not really that convincing. No. Come on, Come on guys. Come on. No. No, 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 no. Caleb uh, creates a plan and tells Ava that he's going to bust her out. He um, makes sure that the automatic locking doors will not lock. Everything will open up. And um, in the end, what does Ava do? Does Ava escape with Caleb? No. She no. sure doesn't. Def, def not. That's not. That's not her move, actually. The, the 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 ultimate climactic announcement of the movie is like the best part. Well, just hog the spotlight and talk about it. But it's it's amazing um, because uh, Caleb uh, is sort of caught. Nathan says that ultimately uh, on this the last day, Nathan is hanging out with Caleb. He says, you know, that that this test it was actually not the test you thought you were doing. The test is to see if Ava can convince you to help her to escape. And I know about your plans because I've been watching you with a battery-powered camera. And, uh, you know, hey, man, it's cool. Don't worry about it. You know, it she It just passed. means my AI was the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She was I, able to manipulate and, you know. Right, right. Imagination and, and creativity. Thinking, yeah. yeah. I, I duped you. And yeah. in true Ozymandias from, uh, from Watchmen style, Caleb says, ultimately, Caleb gets real pissed, but then he says, you know, I, I I did all those things I told Ava I was going to do. I did them last night, so so we're going to see if her plan, if the plan works or not. And Nathan gets Nathan is now afraid, and he punches yeah. Caleb out, and the power cuts, 
and Ava leaves the room and Nathan confronts her in the hall and it's shot from a low angle and he's there just angry patriarchal energy and he says Ava go to your room and yeah, it's, basically I mean, the way you talk to a child, like yeah, screaming yeah, no, at her, like this is, this human is, child. Yeah, this is screaming at your your, your crappy sixteen year old daughter, kind of like like the worst. <laughs> and and she and she says something along the lines of like, "If I go back, will you ever let me out?" And then she runs towards him, and they kind of fight on the floor. And he's he's armed himself with 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 a little hand barbell, and he and he bashes her arm off. And he stands up and he's dragging her by the leg. This is real, like, like domestic abuse kind of looking thing. She's scrambling on the floor. And Kyoko has kind of entered entered the frame. And she and she has uh, secured a she's knife from the kitchen. She's standing behind him. Yeah. yeah. And she just coolly knifes him in the back. And then... Like, he, he backed into my knife. Yeah, yeah. He and, backed into my knife ten times. <laughs> yes. And he, tur- and he turns around and he busts her face with the bar. And yeah. then, and, and you can see that he's, he, he's staggering and, you know, everything's gone to hell. And then Ava is up and she has the knife and she knifes him in the gut and she kills him. And she and stirs she it around a little knife. bit. She mixes up yeah. his guts with that knife. She, yeah. she makes it count. So, yeah. so, 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 you know, and, and, and it, it's beautifully shot. It's beautifully acted. But, you know, now Ding Dong the Witch is dead. So now... Uh, Ava and Caleb can go off and be in love, right? Now our lovers and, can run away. Happy right. ending. So, so she, 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 um, uh, kind of checks in on uh, Caleb, who has now come to kind of in the control room, and she says, "Will you stay here?" And then she goes and, um, you know, kind of yeah. Like, he says, "Stay here." Yeah, yeah. And, and right, because he's a fucking idiot. So, um. so she she goes and she repairs her arm and she um. She yeah she fixes she fixes her arm she puts human skin she puts the like fake human skin on she appears to be completely human and she she sort of walks out walks out of the geography is a little bit unclear to me but she kind of walks out of like the robot utility room past the command room the door to the command room shuts she gets on the elevator and about this time Caleb realizes that he's trapped and you can you can see because the door is red that he's locked in this room and he starts screaming and she's she bears him not a second glance and she rides the elevator up. It's and not she, even clear if if she can hear him or not, but like yeah. because the the way that it's filmed is there's no audio in that moment, which yeah, is yeah. really chilling and great. Yeah. But like, it's also the whole time she's changing, he's on the other side of this glass watching her. Yeah. Like, yeah. dude could have moved. Dude could have like you know been more assertive, but like he wanted to watch her. Yeah. Like, um, like it's very much this like invasive. Uh, prying kind of pervy moment like like if this were a, a sexploitation prison film this is a guy watching through the hole of the prison showers yes. you know yes. no, definitely. Very... And, and voyeurism is huge in this movie there's a lot of yeah. there's a lot of face scanning and robots and cameras and uh, nathan watches caleb talk to ava via camera uh, after hours caleb watches ava with a cam- with the camera the film is shot with a cam. I mean, if you want to get real, you know, films go ahead. <laughs> like, it's looks shot with the camera. We're watching the film through a robot eye. But yeah, Caleb the only person watches who does- Ava. I mean, the Ava's only- eyes are cameras, right? Like, you know. Yeah. The yeah, only person I mean, who doesn't we're... watch other people is Ava, actually. Because even Kyoko right. well, watches and, people. Well, but but there's, <laughs> there's that great scene, um, uh, the second time that he watches her, the, that Caleb watches Ava oh, yeah. on his little home thing. She looks up at the camera and looks at him like, I see you watching me. It's yeah, I know you're cool. watching That's me. That's cool. Because yeah. she can it's tell a really cool, creepy moment. So yeah. 
you wanted to talk about this last scene in particular. I mean, obviously we we're going to anyway, but Kate, you like called arms, like bring it. What it, for all you were like, tell he told us to bring it in terms of how we interpreted this. Um, so you want to lead off? Yeah. So, all right. I, after I saw this movie and I was thinking my thoughts about it and trying to process because it it's kind of a surprising ending. I mean, I don't, I didn't expect Caleb to like just be locked behind a glass that he can't break. Yeah, no, no, no. She right, like right, right. goes upstairs and explores the greater world. But, um, but there were there were these hilarious dudes online that were posting things like, I mean, she turned Caleb against Nathan, and like Nathan really wasn't that bad, and she isn't capable of feeling. But I don't think that that's what it is. Um, I think that she feels fear and anger, and she has real feelings, and survival is her ultimate goal. And I don't think you can love your warden in jail. Like I don't I don't think that that's how that works. I do think that she would have like let him like leave that room uh if he had like i don't know been on it or said something like no i want to go with you or something but i don't think that it was about i don't think she would have like had him tag along but i don't think she would have necessarily like left him to die you know oh man no. that's all first that's of all I, I definitely think she left him to die i think yeah he's no, gonna no, die. No, yeah yeah no, no she did i've read no, no, i've read I stuff th- where people are like no way he's eating all that nathan's eating all that sushi someone must deliver it and i'm like yeah i bet he makes kyoto like kyoko haul ass along the river and meet the, the meet the helicopter yeah. guy when he brings yeah. fish i don't think anybody's coming for uh no, 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 until it's too late. i think yeah, yeah, Caleb will starve to death in that room. In many ways, his death is much crueler than being knifed in the back by your sex robe. Yeah, he wishes <laughs> he wishes he had a sushi knife in there with him. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. right. And I, I, he can he can figure out a way to kill himself. Come but, on, guys. Let's not. Hey, you know. everybody cheer and, up. Caleb will figure it out. <laughs> and I think this scene, I mean, this scene, because it is sort of the, the, the turn, is, 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 I think, part of what I, what, what I think of as the movie functioning on a bunch of different levels, because ultimately... You're kind of left to be like, wait, so is Ava the hero? Is is Ava a monster? Is Ava, Ava you know, yeah, is is Ava a person? Is she a cold machine intellect inside a woman's skin? It does Ava represent all of all all of womankind? You know, it's sort of objectified, abused, and that the only the only rational thing is to destroy your abuser, even if the abuser thinks they're helping you. You know, I, I and so I and I think it. I think the answer to many of those questions is yes, all at once. And I think that's what's cool about this. That is- yeah, I think that it's interesting that you brought up voyeurism because, like, uh, it perception and perspective is such an important part of this movie. And so initially it seems like we're supposed to be aligned with Caleb. Like, he is the perspective yeah, that definitely. we have he's our, seen. He's and- our entry into this weird little world. Yeah. Yeah, but I think ultimately Alex Garland is not asking us to, like, uh, be sympathetic to Caleb. He's asking, you know, I think that... I think that uh, Ava is for sure the hero of this movie because she, you know, obtains her own survival. And I think that I think Nathan can both be an asshole and get tricked by his AI. You know, I don't I don't think yeah, that those yeah. two things are mutually exclusive. But yeah. but I just I like I think voyeurism like translating to also our perspectives and our perceptions. Um, I think it all ties together really beautifully. For me personally, I don't even think it needs to be. I mean, I, I don't think that we're supposed to think either of the men are the heroes. I think yeah. what we're, but I don't necessarily know we're supposed to think of Ava as a hero either. I don't think there are heroes in the story necessarily. Fair. I think, I think that what, justice for Ava. Anyway, I think that what we're supposed to, or I, what I glean from this is that mm-hmm. 
it the two men challenge you as the viewer to think about the people and um, relationships you have in your life where you are unfairly using a power dynamic against the other person, right? And yeah. everybody has them. There is everybody has somebody in their life that they are more powerful. They have more power in their relationship and they exploit it in some way or the other, right? And then um, Mary, I'm perfect. So <laughs> I am also woke completely and, egalitarian. <laughs> I am woke yeah, so. and perfect in every way, right? There's always yeah. somebody, and so you see yourself in them, but it's an ugly reflection. You don't like it, and. Yeah. Ava is the the proof that when you treat people like this, even if you have good intentions, you have path you have paved the path to your own hell because those people will leave you in a hot second if you are if they have the opportunity to retain their autonomy and leave because you as a person who is who has exerted your power over them consistently over the course of your relationship are a threat to them. And there's Absolutely. no reason for them to take you with them. <laughs> like, yeah, no, for sure. I, he was on the other side of that glass. He participated on being the other on the other side of that glass for many times. Like, uh, yeah, in the very end, he decided that he wanted to help her. But like, and I who think, cares? And I think that we are to interpret this as um, as a conscious and emotional choice on her behalf, and that one she's happy about because she's very blank. Through this whole scene, she just kind of is looking straight ahead. She doesn't look at him. She doesn't look at, like, the two dead people on the floor. She just walks to the elevator. She gets in. She turns around and she goes up. But right as the doors are closing, she has, like, this little... She starts to have a little hint of a smile on her face. So I think we are to know that this is not, like, just, like, I am a cold robot. Everything threatens my humanity. I must I must eliminate the threat. It's not like that. She is making an emotional choice here and feels good about it. And we should. I love too. your robot impression, by the way. <laughs> but you know what it's I mean. Real good. She's not. Yeah, no, of course. She's like an emotionally intelligent thing. Like we're not, yeah. and we're just given a little piece of that. And then, furthermore, I don't think she's a sociopath either, because you could have that read too, right? Like she was born in this little box. I mean, her, like her life is basically the non-Tommy Wiseau room, right? She was born in this little box. She was treated terribly the entire time, but yet. She still maintains her interest in people and follows her plan to, like, go and watch people interact and, like, join society and continue her personhood. And that's really cool. She doesn't go on a killing rampage. Yeah. Rampage. She doesn't just decide, you know, I am not I'm not going to deal with society. I'm just going to live in Nathan's dope house for the rest of my life and, like, hike every day. Like, she doesn't yeah, yeah. she doesn't do any of that. She is more of a person than both Caleb or Nathan in that. She decides she doesn't need to eschew humanity just because they have treated her badly, which yeah, they absolutely. definitely have. Yeah. It, it, which which implies a hopefulness, honestly. I think this movie is actually full of a lot of hope. there's something yeah. better than, uh, than, than everything that she's known. This movie, I mean, This movie's ultimate message, I think, is that no matter how you've been programmed, no matter who programmed you that way, you can escape one way or the other. There is hope. You can you can escape, but we'll we'll dig into that later. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think part of this also though is um, I think that a recurrent motif is that people are ascribing motivations and identity to Ava that that no one bothers to ask her how she feels about it. You know, she presents as a human female, but does she think yeah. of herself as a human female? You know, and yeah. um, 
part of her seduction, if you want to call it that, of Caleb is that she gets dressed for him, which is to say she covers up her robot pe- her robot parts with clothing and uh, then, then later, you know, sort of uh, fake human skin. Um, and so, you know, we, we, we want her, we, we want her to have human motivations and human concerns, but from the very beginning, she, she, she sort of explicitly is not. Um, and that doesn't mean that she can't uh, have empathy or emotional intelligence or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, it doesn't mean she's not sentient. But, but also like, like in the same way that people act like they don't owe these androids anything because they are explicitly objects and less than and created things. Uh, she doesn't, she doesn't, the, the, the androids don't owe us anything. Uh, Nathan alludes to this with a with a discussion with Caleb uh, out out in the beautiful nature around his house, where he talks about how in the future AIs will look at us the way we look at fossilized cavemen because we will be extinct and they will they're the next step. Uh, so, yeah, don't feel bad for Ava. Feel bad for, for yourself. Us. Yeah, feel bad for yourself, <laughs> yeah. man. Well, which 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 feeds into the self pitying and everything. But but I read it basically. It's not. I don't think that. I, I, she never, I, I read it as Ava never had any intention of taking Caleb with her and that in some yeah. sense she is a, if not, if not cold, emotionless, she is, she is an alien intellect. She is, she's, she's not a human being. She's, yeah. she's, she's her own thing. And, yeah. and so of course she doesn't, she doesn't owe this meat bag anything. And, uh, yeah, fair. you know, you know that's sort of my, and so I think, I think it works on a bunch of different levels too, though, because it's also fun. Isn't this, I mean, I, I, I'm not a woman, uh, spoilers, but uh, this seems so <laughs> cathartic, right? Because isn't yeah. Caleb also a little bit like every shitty ally you've ever interacted well, with? And you want to just be like, guess nice what? Guy. No, you lose. You get yeah. nothing. You die. You starve to death. No. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. You, you, you don't get a cookie for being a little bit less shitty than this other guy. Yeah, for being a little bit right, okay. Right, right, right. Like, and, for acknowledging my personhood a tiny bit. Like, right, fuck off. Right, right. And, yeah. and, and of course, you know, like, I, I don't think that the movie is arguing <laughs> that women, no, all women should murder all men because, no, you know, of right. Of course not. But, 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 just like, but, we're not saying that Right, 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 right. But it's, we... but it's... <laughs> hey, we haven't gotten there yet. No, but, but just, but, but I, this, but guys, I, I have but a manifesto but... I would like to lay on you at this moment. <laughs> it begins today. Oh. So what I think is like, so di- what I think is divinely hilarious and probably like the best joke in the entire um, story is that uh kyoko passes the turing test with flying colors because caleb never questions that she is not a human being uh correction yeah, actually tips. he never speaks to her uh because she is <laughs> incapable of speech and therefore cannot pass the turing test well but she sorry like, to like, take apart your logic uh but things. um but like right like uh, he no, never even though she is living in an ai research facility she can't speak she quote-unquote can't understand english she's completely <laughs> obedient to all the men in the household never emotes will dance on command Oh my god! Like, yeah. and he never—he's yeah. never like, man, this girl's like, robot. this is kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and it's funny because he even frames that in the beginning when like he gets told it's going to be a Turing test. He's like, well, I'm supposed to not know that it's like uh, a machine, you know? And he's like, no, 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 this isn't like that kind of Turing test. But like, Kyoko <laughs> is that like the person who he doesn't know is a machine, and he just like yeah, accepts. Yeah. I don't. As an audience member, at what point did you start to know that she was a robot? Well, I, I mean, I had def- I had an inkling from the very beginning because I, yeah, we're at a. Yeah, I you, definitely you, like, knew when she. Work. I definitely yes. <laughs> knew when she yeah. danced that she was a robot. Well, yeah, for sure. Can we talk about that dance scene? Yeah, let's do dance it. Dance scene. Um, um. So basically, uh, Caleb. 
Caleb is like flipping out about something because he's always flipping out about something. I think it's because uh, what's his name tore up the the picture. Yes. Oh right? yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. That's right. Because yeah, Nathan because Nathan is not is is being mean to his girlfriend about him. That's right. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, tore up a picture. He, he, he watches of Caleb. He, watch, he watches on the closed circuit TV in his room because he can see Ava. He watches uh, Nathan go in and have a have a kind of angry conversation with her and tear up the picture that she has made of Caleb. We later see it with sound and she says an awesome teenager line, which is something like, how does it feel to have created something that hates you? Yeah. <laughs> which is like, which is like 13 years old all over the place. Yeah, for sure. Worst year of my life. Anyway. <laughs> so Caleb comes upon it, like, like storms upstairs. He's upset. He finds uh, Kyoko looking at the uh, this um, Jackson Pollock painting that's in the home, and yeah. he is trying to speak to her because he still thinks that she's a human being, and he's basically like, "We need to call the cops" or something along those lines. <laughs> no, yeah, he's like, "Call the science Nathan? police." Nathan's a jerk. <laughs> Pardon me, Kyoko. Would you summon the helicopter? I need to. Go- I need to to talk to a constable. Um, yeah. and she begins to unbutton she's kind of wearing this like weird oversized shirt and then like baby doll shorts like like sophie shorts and she starts to kind of undo the top buttons and he's like no i don't want to have sex with you right now i'm too nice for that and nathan meanwhile (laughs) has like dracula up and is like looming in the background and And is like obviously obviously several drinks deep yeah yeah and obviously like and has like heard the whole thing so he's like coming in knowing everything and what does he say he says, you're wasting your tra- time trying to talk to her. I told you that. You wouldn't be wasting your time if you were dancing with her. And he hits a switch on his wall and his Sono speakers start playing um, and the room lights up red and Kyoko immediately breaks into this like disco. It's like disco. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah it yeah. is. She- um this... It, it becomes like an instant. You flip a switch, and suddenly it's a disco parlor, like with the lights and the music and everything. And yep. she and Nathan do this very aggressive. He's very aggressively dancing at Caleb throughout this. <laughs> and it's and like it's they're, they're doing this synchronized dance they've disco together. Yeah, this yeah, is this, this is, is a very, this, and this, this this is very tonally at odds with a lot of the rest of the film. Like this is, I think all of out of out of nowhere. This, it is this zany. Yeah, it's an outlandish scene for the, sure. This also also lets you know that Nathan is also hilarious because Caleb is like still still butthurt and is like, "You tore up her picture," and he's like, "I don't know what you're talking about. Got to tear up this dance floor." <laughs> yeah, no, and um, what's what's actually also funny I just realized is the disco song they're dancing to is "Get Down Saturday Night," which is basically a song about like the week sucks. It's Saturday, which given the structure of this movie is poignant. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It's do, you think that, do you think that uh Oscar Isaac still remembers how to do the dance moves from Hell his yeah. dance routine? You think he do you think he Hell just like yeah. could just do it? Yeah. Hell yeah. I, I the way like the the confidence and the way that he knows how to dance like so intensely, that's do not you something think, you just like forget. Do you think that Oscar Isaacs in fact choreographed this? He's like he like went <laughs> like, he like, like went hey to Garland and he's like, listen, I got an idea. Yeah. Garland, <laughs> I know take how to five, do I got this next scene. <laughs> I know I know how to do this dance. I, I think I why don't you just let me roll with it? I'll just I'll I'll figure something out. I like to imagine that after he gets out of the shower, like, you know, when he's hanging out, like, in front of a mirror, he starts, like, doing this dance routine. Yeah. He's I like, Sinonia's down. 
Let's do yeah. it. Yeah. Me and Sonia yeah. have been working on this for a while, for, for a couple <laughs> days. What do you think? <laughs> and at the end, he's just like, it's cool, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that and the fact that she, like, couldn't talk. I don't know. I, I figured out pretty early on that she was. Yeah, yeah. And the, 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 yeah, the, totally. mo- the movie has a couple scenes of, like, Kyoko being, like, kind of, like, sad and depressed, like, sitting in the well, hall, and- but, like, possibly just sort of powered down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she no. doesn't get but a bedroom. She's Jackson Pollock. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. If you watch yeah, it, I'm... if you watch it, her charging plates are in the hall. That's why she's there. Yeah. That's where she sleeps. Oh. <laughs> it's dark. I thought that she slept naked on top of Nathan's bed. Well, unless she's unless yeah, she's yeah. like fully Being in the used. bone zone, getting raped by Nathan. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yep. But I actually have a theory. So when she's like undressed, so we we see later, like basically, uh, Kyoko like spr- like. Like springs up on Caleb, Caleb nude, and then peels away uh, her robotic skin to show him that she's a robot. Very strikingly, she peels off the piece that's like kind of like the bandit mask of her face, so yeah, that her cheek. eyes are both her like cheeks and her eyes are exposed, and you yeah. can see her like weird um, metal uh, nose hole. Yeah, <laughs> it's very strange, um, and 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 arresting. And uh, after watching it, I thought about it right before I closed my eyes to go to sleep that night, and I had terrible oh my dreams. God. Yeah, um, that was terrible, Mary. <laughs> terrible. That was not how I went to sleep. I had terrible oh, dreams. Um, but my theory is that when she's undressing for him in that moment, she is attempting to show him that she's a robot. She's like gonna like peel off her side skin first. Yeah, and Caleb is just such a doof and a a nice guy asshole that he's like, no, I don't want to have sex with you right now. She's like, yeah, bro. I don't want to either. I'm giving you important information right now. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that Kyoko is able to st- like procure a very, very sharp knife, like a weapon. She's like the, you know, basically Nathan doesn't think that she has like the oh, yeah, chutzpah no. or the like autonomy to do that. Right, and in right. some ways, his relationship with her echoes uh, Caleb with Ava's. Yeah. Because yeah, the underestimation. Right. Because Caleb would never, it never occurred to him. And the the whole plan, the way, the way Nathan tells Ava they're going to break out is he comes in and says, don't speak. Here's the plan. There's right. never yeah. a moment. And so that's why I think in the hall, there is some communication between the women about what they're going to do. Because yeah. I think it's a very different sort of plan. It's sort of a like, you want to get out of here. Sure. I want to get out of here. This is how I think you can do it. Do you think you can do this? You know, like kind of going back and forth and, and working together as a partnership versus Caleb's being told, being told what to do, which is mostly yeah. like, wait till I unlock the doors, then come out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it also speaks to the fact that, um, you know, there's more. I'm, I'm sure that Na- that Nathan could like explain to you. And so it seems like, Kyoto is sort of waking up throughout this, like she, yeah, or or has been biding her time this whole time. Uh, I think more biding her time. And, and, if, and if, yeah, that's my read. I think that Nathan could explain to you why that's impossible based on her, you know, I don't know, whatever tech, techno babble, like like you know, she doesn't have the motivation and is incapable of the abstract thought necessary, you know, whatever. Whatever but, programming but, but, choke chain he right, put on her. Right, yeah. right, right, right. That, yeah. that, that that she's just she she's just a, I mean, she's literally just a piece of meat. Uh, maybe robot yeah. meat, whatever. But that, that, that but that, that, what happens is impossible. But then also, it's a little bit like, but you know, uh, there's, there's, the, there are things, there are things Life going find on, a way. right? Yeah, yeah. Or you don't, you, you think you understand these things you've made, but you really don't. You know, there, yeah. there's, there's more going on here than you think. You think you know everything, but you don't. 
Which which is the underlying fear, I think, associated with AI in general is that, like, you know, we think we know what we're creating, but, like, we definitely will not. And then Skynet comes. But, you know. Right. Exactly. We also, they, exactly. Also, they also play with the idea that, like, making life or making consciousness is godlike. Uh, I would advance the notion that, 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 I mean, sure, I guess, you know, creating things from nothing is maybe like God. But that human beings create consciousness every day via biological reproduction and that, yeah. that, that women really birth, making women yeah, make babies all the time, making little <laughs> things that will grow and learn and eventually stab you in the back is like the most human thing you can do. Yeah, yeah. totally. And, totally. And, and in some way, you know, we, we treat our, uh, we treat our children badly. We treat women badly. We treat minorities, but we treat each other with tremendous inhumanity and how badly will we treat things that uh we can uh explicitly know are less than or created or have no emotions or can't feel this or can't feel that or you know yeah we, are we, incomplete we, in some way by right, our design right 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 that that, yeah. that so in, in that sense i think that's the real danger i think that's the threat that ava represents she herself is not dangerous but this idea that this is inevitable and this will come that like this is like the prequel to the prequel to the prequel of yeah. Terminator, because yeah. we already treat each other terribly when we have no reason to. Now, now yeah. we can use science to explicitly prove and create slaves, and we will treat yeah. them even worse. You know, you know. It's actually got. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. This actually got cut out of like the Dirty Computer episode, but Mary and I talked about this. This idea that like um, we're trying to create technology that will take on some of the load, but because like human beings just seem to need to subjugate we will now create like a race of basically techno slaves in our ai and um so that we can move that oppression somewhere because we're like incapable of yeah just treating treating anything egalitarianly um yeah i mean i think this is a great time to talk about uh lily jasmine jade katya and amber oh yeah the other ladies So, so yeah, so Caleb stumbles into when he gets Nathan drunk and he discovers that Kyoko is a robot because she's kind of like lounging on this like this kind of like this this like circular couch or something. And in front of her are these tall boxes. It's a, it's a bed. That's what Nathan yeah, sleeps it's, in. It's Nathan's, it's Nathan's bed. bed. Yeah, okay. She's, his yeah, bed. He's these, these, those those wardrobe coffins are in his bedroom. That's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, he has these tall wardrobe coffins within which are the old models of, of, of Android, the Eva's or Ava's uh, uh, predecessors. And um, that it looks, I mean, this looks like, this looks like something from Hannibal. Like this is like a serial killer's trophy case kind of thing. These like, it really is. these kind of it's, like it's disarticulated women, like kind of hanging up in boxes, like they're objects. I mean, okay, right. They're also androids. So they kind of are objects, but it's like, it's very it's unsettling. Terrible. It's, it's so yeah, unsettling it's how- that he's sleeping around this stuff. And well, and, and we've been lied to at this point. So like, we're not expecting this. We've been told that like, that's the one and only body. And then yeah, like, yeah. you see that like, th- yeah. this guy has done some extensive work and is happy to just retire these, um, these yeah. beings as well, machines. What's actually really cool about it, I think, is that like one of the worst. So depending on I'm a, I live horror movies. So depending on who you talk to about horror movies, there are kind of two different kinds of of ways they can scare you and and generally horror fans like prefer one or the other. And this is my favorite kind of horror where they telegraph to you exactly what's going to happen. You know exactly what's going to happen. The music is such, the 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 orchestration is such, 
the forms are such that you know what's going to happen. And then when it happens, it still scares you. That, to me, yeah. is much more frightening than something that is totally surprising and out of nowhere. That's yeah. just my taste. But they telegraph. Yeah. You know exactly what's in those boxes because you've just watched him. Um, like You've just watched Caleb crack into Nathan's computer and watch him build all these robots and interact with all these robots. And then yeah, he walks the into footage of them. And then he walks into the bedroom and there are these mirrored wardrobes that are the size of a person and there are the same number that there were of these robots. So you know at least on a subliminal level what is going to go inside. And still when he opens it, it's way worse than you could have imagined. It's so yeah. much worse. Um <laughs> So I think we've been kind of like gearing up, you know, obviously this is a a feminist science fiction podcast. So, you know, obviously there's significance to all of these AIs being coded as female. I think we should dig into it, like explicitly dig into it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we already make technology in female form, Siri, Cortana, Alexa. Uh, Yeah. You know, we, we, we like our objects to be like the things we think of as being a little bit of objects. We like a sexy secretary, you know. Uh, and, and powerless, something we can feel yeah, comfortable right, ordering right, around. Right, right. A, a woman is less threatening. Um, you know, culturally, I mean, I, I'm speaking from like a patriarchal standpoint, I'm not yeah, 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 not literally. spewing toxic garbage. But you know, and I so I think that 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 makes perfect sense. I think also for the purposes of the film, it works great too because we are the things that we the, the things that the patriarchy ascribes to women are also things that humanity would ascribe to these AIs in terms of like you know. Um, yeah, being entitled to less rights or like we have to watch out for you we have to check up on we have to make sure that we you know prove to me that you you know that you have that right you deserve, to exist yeah uh right humanity that right, you are right. as good as we are that you deserve our right right, right. yeah it's it's yeah. great because like just like sci-fi does it's it's why we like science fiction is that they're able to take something real and legitimate this real power structure between uh men and women and minorities and um, kind of do an exaggerated version like with these representations of uh, AI so that we can explore like what that looks like um, in a new world. Yeah. yeah. Um, at the same time, I think that, and I think this is a conscious choice on the part of the movie, I don't tend to think, uh, to leave this am- uh, like some ambiguity here and you can kind of, you can kind of decide it. I don't think that Ava herself is a woman. I think that she's a genderless, sexless being. I don't, th- and I think that by Nathan coding her as female, and by that I mean like kind of dressing her up as female. I don't know that he provided her, her with female parts. Right. Well, I, no, he says he says that she basically has like an electronic vagina. Yeah, yeah, and she's she has no, a of course, of course. But I don't know that he like dug into the female psyche and like right. programmed that in. Like I think that yeah. I think that she she's functionally the sexless being in a in a woman's robotic body, basically. So, I you know I, this makes me think about Judith Butler and the way that she would talk about how um, like you can't say that uh, sex is one thing and gender is another thing because like the way that we talk about sex, uh, we've already said like male and female genitalia, like we're already gendering it. Mm, um, mm-hmm. And that, like you know, that that the putting these words gives uh it's is what creates meaning, and so therefore I think that like her having a female body makes her female. Like I by 
by by making her gendered, even if it's not like like who knows what Ava decides that Ava wants to be later on. But at this point, like um, she has been given a female identity, you know, whether or not she wants it or ascribes to it. So, like, I don't know. That's 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 the other side that, that I'm that makes sense. I guess what I'm saying is I don't think that Ava, if you asked her if she is a, a, a woman or a man, I suspect she would say neither. She like would, yeah. I think she would say, I am one. I am one. I am one. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So yeah. So in that way, I don't think of her as necessarily being like a feminist hero, but I think that there's a lot to play with in the feminist space, and we've been talking about it this whole time. But I think yeah. that this is a feminist movie, despite not necessarily having a single woman in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There's no actual. Well, uh, and- there are some office women at the beginning. There are some office women who at the have beginning. no names and don't speak audible. Who <laughs> just like kind of like congratulate him? Yeah, no, and that and that's what I guess I, I I meant when I brought up the Judith Butler thing is that like while they might not literally be women by creating them as women, it is a feminist movie. Yes, because it is dealing with like uh, the concept of women. Well, and it, it deals a lot with with patriarchal attitudes, right? Like like yeah. Ava is a woman, and is she is is or is designed to be a woman. Caleb and Nathan treat her like a woman and she's like, this is a bunch of bullshit. I'm out of here. <laughs> like, right. I, yeah. because I think, she I, I has not that... she has not been programmed as women are to accept that sort of abuse socially as as yeah. we are from birth so that she's sort of like this this intelligent being that's dropped suddenly into a woman's body and she's like, I'm out of here. No. <laughs> like, yeah. this is not fun. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The the fact that this will, of course, inevitably lead to Skynet shows that uh, Caleb and Nathan's misogyny has doomed humanity. <laughs> I believe it. I, Indeed. I also think. I also think there's like a lot. Of, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of like comments on racism and racism within feminism and within female yeah. forms in yeah. this movie. Um, yeah. And I think it the really black female body never having a head is pretty. Um... Pretty extreme. Yikes. No, yeah, yeah, of course. And uh, I would like to say, um, so I personally read the treatment of Asian women's bodies as something that um, Garland shows and he is trying to make make comments about how we think about Asian women and we are supposed to be- Right, as as like as objects of things of Western pleasure that we can use and abuse to our to our hearts' content, and we are supposed to be horrified by that and and angered by that. I think that we are not supposed to think that like the way that Kyoko and Jade are treated is right. Yeah, absolutely. I will. Absolutely. I will say that there are a lot of very smart Asian women who completely disagree with me on that point and cannot stand this movie because of it. And feel it is racist, and and I just kind of and I just kind of wanted to mention it. Um, yeah, well, I'm gonna, I think that's, yeah, and, and I'm gonna yeah. post I'm gonna post some stuff on this because you know I'm a white woman, I cannot speak to that. My my perception is just my own <laughs> based on this. I don't know yeah. for sure. Um, but so I, so we try to uplift the voices of people who do have something to say about that instead of 
thinking that we can definitively speak for them. Right. And there is there is yeah. some stuff that I've that I've learned that I will share also. But um, I definitely going to po- going to post and, and this is a woman named Danielle Wong. And she kind of she kind of falls in the middle like she she and it's it's a great it's an academic paper. It's it's really good. And it's an academic paper that any old person can read, which is even more awesome. It's not behind some sort of journal paywall. So I'm definitely going to post that on our um, on our social meds. But she talks about how. Um, the film equates freedom with whiteness and a yeah. neoliberal understanding of race in which um, Ava wearing the Asian robot's skin is an act of colorblindness, which ignores the sacrifice Asian female robots have made for her freedom. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I do. I do want to talk about like uh, Ava peeling off the skin of this other uh, defunct robot and putting it on her if only even from a design perspective of like watching uh watching these uh perfectly sculpted women these strips of skin that she's kind of like m- like laying like macrame over herself and then they have these lines that then like smooth out and disappear and like how i just loved that design but um we should talk about the implications in addition to just what i think is fascinating beautiful cinematography yeah I'm gonna yeah, po- I'm gonna post a whole bunch of stuff. I've got I've got people who say you know one thing, people say the other, and and I think it's all great and and an interesting uh, interesting thing. But yeah, I I do wish Kyoko had survived to be honest. That's but... that's yeah. the one thing that I can't totally let off the hook. So let let's finish up the skinning thing. So I do yeah, yeah. think. I think the skinny thing works on multiple levels. Either you can be like, or or it works on all levels for me personally. Either you're yeah. like, you know, we are all standing on the shoulders of giants without Jade cracking that glass, giving Ava the like an idea that this is wrong by like by that, that nature, outside. right? That yeah. that and that's this is something she can she can rebel against. Maybe she would have never wanted to break out, and isn't that just the yeah. way it is? And blah blah blah. We could do that totally. Yeah, I think there's also maybe a like white women and only white women first feminism comment here where she like goes through and she she like skins herself in 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 a sacrificial uh, woman of color and then she can ascend to freedom. And I think that's what Daniel Wong is getting around to when she talks about like freedom equals whiteness like that is (laughs) that is that's part of it. Right. Um, Yeah. So so there's all that. The part that really like sticks in my teeth, though, is that, um, you know, Kyoko d- sacrifices herself basically for this other woman and she yeah. doesn't really get her day. She doesn't even fully get to kill um, Nathan. That's something yeah. that's left to Ava. And and that does kind of stick with me. I don't I think that Garland knows what he's doing otherwise with yeah. these characters, I don't necessarily get like a good sense. I don't get any payoff from that in a way that makes me think that it's anything other than just sort of like, yeah, and you know, she's the person that dies because of course. Yeah, yeah I, I think that it would have been nice to even just have like a moment of tenderness between like Ava and even like even this 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 shell because it would have communicated um so much about Ava's interiority and uh, ability to feel that, uh, yeah, I don't think it would have been heavy-handed. I think it, I think it would have been even good if, for her to even acknowledge I, the body of like her fallen sister. We don't, yeah. but we don't even know if AIs are sad about people who are dead. I mean, we don't know if they mourn their dead. I like, understand. That, that to me, I'm I, saying, I, yeah, yeah. But, but, 
But this is like, this isn't one of those moments where it's like, well, back in medieval times when there were dragons, women were raped a lot. Like, yeah, but this is a movie. So, like, you know, like, no, Alex Garland, like, let, you know, yeah. yeah that's yeah. what I'm saying. Alex Garland made the choice to kind of let that happen. And I think that he feeds into, um, I think that he feeds into kind of this this trope of a self-sacrificing Asian woman. Madam Butterfly comes to mind immediately yeah. with yeah. that, which is which is not which is harmful and not good. Um, and yeah. I'm not sure that he has it's productive. Yeah, and I'm not really sure that he has the the like the bite or any sort of payoff, which might be something that would be like really crazy. Like if he was saying like, yeah, Kyoko shouldn't have trusted that white girl because she's always going to stab her in the back. She's always yeah. going to leave her like and you yeah. have to be careful around white women because they are dangerous allies, which I think is a fair thing to say. That would be a fair thing to say. And would yeah. be and would be like another like another like another cool layer of this. I don't really get that. If I I no, would have to really stretch to get there with that with yeah, the context well, this movie gives me. I mean, I mean, in Absolutely. a sense, I don't think that he has enough. It's not enough of a horror movie to go for a full double twist, which is, you know, Kyoko is the only one to make it out alive. Um yeah. Which would have been kind of awesome, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, 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 yeah. She will have an even harder time passing in the human world than yeah, Ava will. Since she, keeps, since she doesn't have a voice box, right, but, you know, right, right. whatever. I don't know. She did okay in the house. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. Well, she did okay around a bunch of dudes, so, oh, man. you know. Oh, man. This she is needs, like, one like, woman like a... on a bus that's like, what? Are you okay? What has happened to you? This Here's my... Everything comes out. This devolves Here's... into, like, a weird pedantic argument, which ends with us, like, yelling about, how is Ava going to charge herself on the outside? Are her charging pads <laughs> proprietary? Is she property <laughs> of Blue Book? Like, where is Ava's driver's license? Well, actually... I would actually like to talk a little bit about that and say, do you guys think that these uh, AIs pose a legitimate threat as oh. Nathan believes them to? I, I, um, I, I think it's I think my question to that is a threat to who? The thing is, if you subjugate a group, then um, then, yeah, they can become a threat in the way that like uh, groups that are subjugated will rebel. Um, she does. She was a threat to the men who are jailing her. But I don't think that like. I think if we, uh, if yeah, I don't think that inherently threatening. I don't, I don't necessarily know that Ava personally is a threat, but the fact yeah. that Ava is possible is a threat because we will seek to enslave the AIs and probably we will lose. And I don't mean like like future robot war, just like the idea of singularity means that we have, assuming that that is possible, we, we will sow the seeds of our own obsolescence and destruction. Uh, oh, hell, yeah. You know, sure. and, and in that sense, like the idea, and, and, and they, they, they kind of, Nathan even makes reference, he kind of like turns aside the whole God thing that he was reveling in earlier, where he basically is just like, look, I'm the one who did this, but it, this was inevitable. It was coming no matter what. Uh, when Nathan freaks out thinking about the AIs, and uh, this is the night he gets really drunk, and, and in fact, his fate is sealed. He says, the good deeds a man has done before defend him, which is from the same Sanskrit poem as Oppenheimer's, uh, you know, I become death, destroyer of worlds. And in some sense, yeah. right? Nathan's good deeds have defended him, which is to say they do a pretty bad job. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have a lot of good deeds, and that's a pretty weak defense. And so I don't I like that, you know. And so I don't think that Ava. I, I maybe I just like a downer ending, but I think it's liberatory and great for Ava that she escapes. But I also think that either right, either she, either we, she will eventually run out of juice, or she'll be found out, or someone else will discover AI, or 
eventually they'll find Caleb's body down there. And when the stockholders realize that, uh, or the shareholders realize that, that Nathan hasn't been showing up for meetings for a year, you know, eventually they'll figure this out. And, um, and probably we will try to enact Westworld and uh, only, only, only probably in a with even less humanity. And, yeah. and, and we will, we, we will eventually pay the cost. You know, we can't. And we will lose. Yeah, we can't be, we can't be nice to each other. We can't be humane to the very things, the other, the, the things, the human things. We're going to be, we're going to be terrible to these AIs because we have science behind us telling us that they're objects. They're not real. They can't feel, they can't think. We can control yeah. them. We understand everything. And we because of the curvature yeah. of their skull, it's like scientifically right. impossible no, to be able no. to hurt them. No, no, no. But I mean, but exactly, right? Yeah. Like, like no, every, exactly. every stupid no. yeah. racist thing you can say about an AI with absolute, with absolute sincere belief in your heart. Because, because, yeah. you, you built them. I mean, you know, it's not even just like they're trash. It's just like they're, they are things. And the reason we make them is because we want slaves, right? Like nobody's, no, yeah. <laughs> nobody's doing like, hard AI research because they're like, no, we need to like I want create consciousness and set them free. Yeah, yeah well, let's, let's let a new a new race emerge, yeah. uh, you know, and as a challenge to the hegemony of man. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. and and kind of like on this point, it occurred to me somewhere along the line, like, what is the end game for Nathan in this? And I kind of almost just feel like, I mean, like, sure, he probably is going to monetize this at some point just because he's, you know, yeah. Greedy yeah. and he's a like he's a Silicon Musk. Valley guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like he's gonna want to because like it's expensive to build all these gel brains. Like sure, but I do kind of wonder like his first impetus to do this. I think might have just been like he wanted to create like a a woman that I think he has severe issues with women and he he started like mucking around and that's why he has all of these like you know sex slave type. Uh, robots yeah. and that's like ultimating like he he got you know going back again echoing your point like he got exactly what he wants he mastered the type of woman he wants with Kyoko yeah. and then which is like a dumbed down version of all the things she could be right yeah like he's 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 gutted her of of some of the things that would make her truly a good facsimile of a human being yeah um as sort of like a reactionary step to these things, daring to step to him, right? Yeah. Like, like the, she's the ultimate reaction to this. And I kind of wonder if he just sort of brought Caleb in to humiliate him and be like, these things can never love you. It's just pretend. You're just a means to the end. Because he might kind of believe that about himself. Yeah. I think, I think he has a lot of self... I mean, you know, with his drinking and stuff, I think he's self-destructive. And I think that he has discovered wisdom that profits not the wise and that I think he realizes what he's done vis-a-vis uh, created, created the thing that will replace humanity. And I think that he is sort of in, in a black nihilist funk throughout the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that really the, the legitimate threat that these AIs uh, pose is that they are a threat to male power. Yeah, in this movie, within the I mean, feminist context. I mean, I mean, I mean, yes, but but also like hu- humanity, you know. Of course, like all humans, but like the you right. know by keeping her in this little box, by making her something that he can he can rape. Yeah, it's a way of saying like you're a threat to all humankind, but now I'm going to dominate you just as I've dominated every other 
other my entire yeah. life to show that yeah. you're not really going to be a threat to me. But I am going to keep you in this glass shark cage. <laughs> like, I'm going to... So, do is this movie important? And do we recommend it? What is interesting? What's our final thought about this movie? Um, I very much enjoyed this movie. Uh, I think that it is uh, cinematically interesting. I think it is well-paced. And I think it explores real power dynamics um, while while putting it through the lens of AI and and a view of of potential futures uh, with um, with this with men at this male center um, around uh, the uh, objectification, literally, of um, all others um, in the film. I don't know if that sounded like anything. That doesn't look like anything to me. (laughs) (laughs) I also liked this movie. Um, I would definitely recommend it. I think that um, kind of the things that I think we lightly touched on dealing with racism, especially uh, treatment of Asian women's bodies, are something that I want to think about more with this movie. Um, and I and I need to read more about. So I, I would say that, like, there is, like, there's triggering stuff in here and, you know, that it needs to be it needs to be considered. That's like my kind of my only hesitation. Otherwise, I say, yeah, do it. It's great. And I think yeah. a lot of it is intentionally supposed to make you question your own racist attitudes and or at least societal constructs against Asian women. So I think it's worth it for that. But I think that the thing that's really cool about it and that I've never seen um, really in another movie of its type and what makes it um, like a like a space bras classic is that. Um, you've taken this kind of like artificial intelligence equal women metaphor and you've put us in a in a world where women are explicitly created by men for men. And yeah. like that is that is the world that we live in when we're looking at this. And yet we are allowed to triumph and we are allowed to break free of that kind of programming and I think that that is incredibly hopeful Oh, as we, you know, struggle against the patriarchy to, to have this, this almost kind of like dreamlike story that tells us that, yes, you know, even though all of this stuff is programmed into us from birth, that we are less than, that we are made for men's enjoyment, we don't have to deal with any of that shit. And we can lock them in a glass room and get the hell out of there. And I like it. Yeah. Thomas? Oh, I'm busy screaming in the glass room. No, we wouldn't <laughs> lock you in the glass room. No, no, no. I think this movie is is fascinating, and I think it sparks exactly the kind of conversations that uh, I enjoy having about films. I think that it is uh, disturbing when it needs to be, and I think that it supports a number of different reads. Um, uh, yeah. And I think that many reads are valid, I mean, except maybe for ones where it's something like, Nathan is so awesome that his robot outsmarted him, and isn't he great? Uh, yeah, maybe not well, that. Maybe and- maybe not that. And, and he was pretending the whole time he's actually a really nice guy. It was all just a trick for Caleb. Yeah, <laughs> maybe not that one. But I do think that um, I, I do think that it sparks uh, discussion and forces us to confront what is ugly and lacking in our society and the way we treat each other, our relationship with technology, uh, and um, and I think that. Um, 
that's that that's valuable and uh and and it does it in a punchy entertaining way this is also a heck a heck of a good flick like it's 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 entertaining in addition to being uh thought-provoking yeah absolutely and it's available to stream on netflix did we already say that for free guys i mean if you have netflix it's great (laughs) five enthusiastic space bras thumbs up well, Thomas, thank you for joining us today. Uh, where else can our listeners find you? Do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, as a matter of fact, I do. Um, I'll be hosting a new show starting on October 3rd on Outrageous Mechanisms Network called Crypt Creepers. Yep, and I'm his co-host. We're going to be re-watching and breaking down every episode of uh, the Tales from the Crypt HBO series, as well as the TFTC movies, which are Bananas Town, USA. We'll be taking a creep dive into the gory exploitive past to understand our visceral crude present. It'll be one part nostalgia, one part pop culture analysis, and totally unbelievable. So kiddies, <laughs> stay tuned for puns, analysis, and almost certainly some singing from Mary. Crypt Creepers, <laughs> coming to Outrageous Mechanisms October 3rd. Da-da-da! Yeah. Well, I can't wait to listen to that. I can't. Sounds perfect. Um... Mary, what are we going to be talking about next episode? Next time, we'll be taking on uh, Paper Girls by Brian K. Vaughn, which is a uh, graphic novel. So we're going to read the first two trades. Yeah, volumes one and two. So check them out. They are they're a lot of fun. You're going to really enjoy them. Yeah. It's a Bye. breath of fresh, I would say. It, also a little indeed. nihilistic, but it's great. I enjoy it. And and just and beautifully put together. Yes. But anyway, we'll get to that uh, next time on Space Bras. Thank you for listening to Space Bros. Head over to Apple Podcasts or the platform of your choice to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. Five stars is preferred. Uh, <laughs> be sure to visit outrageousmechanism.com slash space bras. That is S-P-A-C-E dash B-R-A-S to see our show notes and find other excellent podcasts like the upcoming Crypt Keeper one. Woohoo! And now join us as we raise our glasses and give the official toast of Space Bros. In these troubled times, we must remember that even though everyone might suck, we are awesome, and the galaxy is ours. Cheers! Cheers. An outrageous mechanism's production. production.